verses 34 and 35. Let's stand in honor of God's Word today. This is Jesus speaking, and this is after He has washed their feet, He has served them, He has shown them what it is to love, He is getting ready to do the ultimate act of love. He's going to lay down His life, not only for all the people that have come before Him, but for all the people that will come after Him. And uh, He is speaking and telling the disciples how the people, how the people will know who He is. And how they will know who uh, who Jesus is and how they will know who the church is. And this is what he says. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the way. And you say, Pastor, why why are you on this for so long? Jesus says, this is the way, the one way people will know we are followers of Christ. Not by what we say or what we do or anything else, but by the way we love each other. And we have to get this right. We have to get this right. And uh, so today, we're going to be talking about this just a little more. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We pray right now. Father, I pray that you would put a burden on our heart to be what you're talking about in these two verses. Father, everything rests on this people will know who you are and they will know who we serve only from this thing by the way we love each other so we have to get this right and so help us god help us we need help we can't do this by ourselves and we ask these things in jesus name amen the word tells us we're to make disciples and that's not just to see how many people that we can get to come to church that's not what jesus is saying here uh, a few weeks ago, I don't know if you noticed, but it's been a month or so ago, we took down the m- number board because I felt like it was distracting us from the business at hand. We are not here to produce church attenders. That's not the goal of the church. We are here to produce disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus didn't talk about seeing how many people you can get in church. He said, make disciples. Make disciples, and that's what we're about. Uh, and so we do all the things that we do uh, to make disciples. We don't see how many people we can get in church on Sunday, how many people we can get to Sunday school class or home groups or things like that. Jesus says the goal is to make disciples, to bring someone from a lost situation, from someone who is hopelessly lost, and bring them and transform them into a follower of Jesus Christ. He doesn't say bring them from lost to a church attender, but to bring them from a lost and fallen person into an all-out, all-sold-out follower of Jesus Christ. That's what we are here for. That's what God has called us to. And Jesus says the only way that people will be able to know, the only way, that people will be able to know that you are a follower of me is by watching your life and seeing how you love each other. He says, that's how I know. And if you wonder if you are a disciple of Christ, maybe you should ask a friend. You just ask them and say, am I a disciple of Christ? And if they say, well, you know, I really don't know. Chances are you're not a disciple of Christ. 
Because the word says that people will know, people who do not know Christ, who have no idea who he is, will know that I am a follower of Christ by the way I love other people. I don't think it was by happenstance this morning, but I had a little time of prayer up here this morning with Lance and Ross. And Lance had no idea what I was preaching about this morning, but he started talking about a friend that he has at work, a friend that he has very little contact with at all. And uh, he, this, this friend of his happens to be a black man, and uh, he said he started talking to, uh, to uh, Lance, and he said, I know you're a holy man. I know you're a holy man. And Lance said, I, I never talked to him about Jesus in my life. He said, I've just been, he said, I'm not around him, hardly any at all. And the word says, we're going, let's, you're fine. Do we need to do anything, David? Okay. Let's just pray for just a minute. Father, right now, we just ask that you have your hand upon Wilma. We ask that you touch her. We ask that you bring healing to her. Pray that you be with Jerry right now. Father, help David to know exactly what they need to do. And we just pray right now that you'd have your way and be in the middle of this situation right now. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the, this man is not a follower of Christ. He has not been spoken to about who Christ is. But he says, I can look at your life without you saying anything, and I know you're a holy man. And so Jesus says, this is how you know. It's not by us saying, hey, I'm holy. It's not by wearing a graphic t-shirt that says whatever the graphic t-shirts say about following Christ. It's not about me posting how holy I am or me telling you how holy I am. Jesus says, people will know by this one way, the way we love each other in the church. If this is the way, if this is the one way, it is important. And the Lord has laid this on my heart. And the, and the Lord has, has asked me to preach about this. And so Jesus says that rank strangers, sinners, will know who you are by, by the way you love each other. On the 18th, one day a year, we invite a group of people to come in here. Most of them are strangers, people that we don't know. And we invite them into our church so that the, hopefully they will come into the presence of God. So they will have a, have a meeting with the presence of God. But hopefully, while they are watching us interact with each other, the Word says that the way that they will know we are followers of Christ is by the way we act towards each other. And so on the 18th, on that Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock, when we're all in here together, the Word says that these people who do not, and some will be followers of Christ, some will not be followers of Christ. But it says all of them will know that we are a follower of Christ by the way we love each other, by the way we talk to each other, by the way we interact with each other, by the way we talk about each other when we're not here. And the Lord is, is, is convicting me and, and speaking to me and speaking to that I, I speak this into the life of the church. And they will know we are fakes and they will know if we are real because you can't fake people out. So how well, I'm going to ask you this morning, how well are you doing 
at loving each other. And I wanted, uh, and I wanted us to think about this. And so I, as I was thinking about this, I went into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. And, and if you're familiar with church at all, uh, you'll know that this is, this is the love chapter. And so I want to just, if we're going to, if, if loving each other is so important, then we need to define what love is. If we, if we want to know what, what is this, if this is the one thing that people know that we're followers of Christ for, we need to get it right. We need to know if this is the one thing that people know that we are followers of Christ and who he is, then we need to know what this word means. So I went through and I started reading through the Amplified Bible and it talks about, it says the first thing that it does, love endures long and is patient. And we don't see love like that much anymore. Everything we want, everything we want, we want quickly, and we don't see. And if we look into our culture, I want you to know that most kids today have no idea what enduring love is. I started looking up things. We, I mean, we are a disposable culture. The average marriage in the United States, the average marriage is eight years long. That's not very long. That's not enduring love. And so we have a culture of children, and most and 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 in in over fifty percent of our kids are part of broken homes. And I'm not speaking about that today. I'm just telling. Here's the deal, folks. I'm just telling you the way it is. I'm just telling you where we are at. When Pastor Kelsey is speaking to kids, she is speaking to kids who have not seen an enduring love. Many of those kids come from, they have no idea what a long-lasting, enduring love is because they have not seen it in their home. I'm not saying good, bad, or otherwise. I'm saying that's the way it is. That's where we're at. And so we have a culture of kids who have not seen long-lasting love. So when you talk about long-lasting love, they have no idea what you're talking about because they've never seen it. But love lasts a long time, and it says that it endures. When we think of love, we think of, oh, happy, happy, happy. Everything is so great, and oh, mm, mm, I love you, I love you. Here's the deal. That's not what Jesus says love is. Now, that is a part of love. But apparently, the Word says that love endures. Well, what's, what's enduring mean? Enduring means that there's going to be some hard times and that love somehow makes it through the hard times. Now, James and Bridget are the only people that I know that have said they don't have a fight. And I've tried to figure, I've tried to, me and my wife the other day, I was talking about this enduring love. I'm sorry to bring you into this, but, but they, say, they say James and Bridget, have, they've never had a fight. And I said, how can that be? How can that be? I don't like either one of them. I'd have a fight with you right now. And Cindy said, I think they're both so easygoing that they just neither one get upset about anything. And I thought, well, that'd be all right. But for everybody else, I'm telling you what, in my life, with my wife, she's had to endure. She's had to endure. There's some enduring going on there. And I've had to endure. And, and the first four or five years of our married life was just trying to figure out how we're going to do this and we in, we endured and and jesus and, and and the bible says this is paul speaking here paul says that in the church sometimes 
He doesn't say it's going to be happy time all the time. And I guarantee you, it will not be. And there's some times that you have to endure where you just got to get through it. And it's just like marriage, it's just like anything else. There's some times when you have to get through it. It's not fun, it's not enjoyable, it's not nice. It's just, I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm going to lower my head and I'm going to get through it. That's what love does. It endures. And I started, so the average marriage is eight years. You know what the average pastoral stay is in America? 3.2 years. There is not a lot of pastors that stay very long anywhere anymore. Pastors are, as a whole, I'm just saying as a whole, and I'm not saying anything about myself, but I'm just saying as a whole, we don't see pastors stay for a long time in a church anymore. We don't see enduring love in churches. There's usually an upheaval and there's something goes wrong and they don't get through it. They just quit and go on to the next thing. And uh, pastors as a whole are not showing this enduring uh, love. And, 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 you know, I talked about with my wife, we, we endure things like that. And, and, and love's not happy all the time. Love is enduring. It takes going through pain together. That's what enduring is. And that doesn't mean we have to agree about everything. You know, you know we don't have to agree about everything. We're getting in the middle of, this is a, an election week. And I already went and voted. I've already done what I was supposed to do. And I tell you what, in my, in my lifetime, I've, I've had kind of a, there's a time when I was very, very political and I felt like that was what, I was very passionate about it. And I am still, I think, I think that we need to vote and I think we need to pray and ask God, how would you have me to do this? But I also think that we can have complete opposite opinions and still love that person. The world will tell us that we cannot. If you disagree with me on this, then I can't be your friend. I'm going to tell you what today. That is not what the Word says. The Word says, I don't have to agree with you on everything, but I can still love you. And you know what? The Lord's helping me and teaching me that. And so I want to encourage you this week to pray and let God lead your heart and vote. And that's all I'm going to say about that. It takes going through pain together. Anybody, here's the deal, anybody can give up. It's easy to give up. And in this world we live in, we give up. But I want to tell you, love sticks. Love says, I'm there. I'm there whether I like it or not. I'm still there. And, it's, it's ta- and love endures. Love endures. And then it says, love is patient. And I want to tell you what, this that I'm preaching on, if it's not for you guys, I'm telling it's for me. It's for me. And, and God has burned this into my mind that we have to be this. And so I've been praying, God, change me, help me, help me, God, because I cannot do what you're talking about here by myself. And this patient thing is, don't pray for patience. I'm just going to tell you, don't pray for it. Because Lord will not give it to you like that. He has rained down on me 
things to make me patient. And it's getting ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's, uh, it's, uh, I, I, the other day I was in my utility room and, and things that should have been easy to put together. I'm like, what? It just got ridiculous. I mean, there was a point I was standing there and I was just, I was just like, God, I know you're, and I was just shaking. Because it was just, everything was just falling apart. And I'm like, what in the world? And then in the back of my mind, it's like, you've prayed for patience. And I'm like, and when I drive, I attract every idiot in the creation. And uh, we were on, we were on battlefield the other day. We're on battlefield, and me and my wife are having this conversation, and she's helping me with this patience. And as soon as you, and it's all this traffic's backed up, and as soon as you get over the hill, you can see there's a wreck at the bottom of the hill, and everybody's going to have to get to the left lane. I mean, as soon as you get over the hill, you can figure out what the problem is. And so as I'm standing up there on top of the hill, I'm watching all this traffic just easily go in, and I'm like, well, that's really neat. That's good. And then this next bunch of jokers just goes, I'm like, and they're going to get in front of me because I'm going to have to let them in, in Jesus' name. And I'm like, Lord, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. But the Lord calls us, and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I tell you, as I've been praying this, I'm saying, God, give me patience. And he's helping me. He's helping me. But he also says we're supposed to be kind. He says we're supposed to have patience and kindness. And if you were here a couple of, couple of I mean, kindness is rare these days. And I remember a couple of uh, Sunday nights ago, Jim taught, and Jim shared this with me. He said, Pastor, I got to the place where I had very little faith that there was any kindness anywhere anymore. He said, I got to, we had this conversation, didn't we, Jim? I'm not making this. He said, I, he said, I just didn't think there was any kindness anywhere anymore. And he said, when I watched the church come together for Melissa Gregory's benefit and for Rusty's benefit, he said, my hope was renewed that there was still love, that there was still kindness. And so when we do those things and when we do just everyday things and show kindness and, 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 and are patient and things like that, people see that. If you keep going on in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the Amplified Bible, it says that love never envies. Satan tries to do whatever he can to make me envious and to make us envious of each other. In our culture, we have a class war. The rich are against the poor and the poor are against the rich and everyone always wants one more thing and that's one more thing i just want a little more i just want a little more a little more i want us to i just I, and i've tell, i've gave you these some of these things before i think sometimes we forget how blessed we are i got they, there is a website that lets you know where you sit in all of the world, what percentage you lie in? If you are a male, or if you, if, no, that's not, if you, if you are a male, I wrote, I wrote that down wrong. If you make $35,000 a year, and you have you and your wife and two kids, you are in the top 
14% of the world. That's pretty high. That means that there's only 85 people, 86 people out of 100 that are, 86 people out of 100 have less than what you have. That's top 86%. That's pretty good in the world. If you make $75,000, if your family makes $75,000, listen to this, you're in the top 2% of the world. And we think about bazillionaires or whatever they are, you know, the top 1%ers or whatever. If you make 75 grand, you're in the top 2% of the world. But if you ask people, what do you want? They go, just a little more. Because Satan loves for us to envy. He wants us to envy money. He wants us to envy other people's families. If you, if you watch uh, on, on Facebook or everything, everybody, has, everybody goes and does something, and you're like, well, I wish I had that. Well, I wish I went there, or I wish I did this. I wish I had their job or whatever. We have church envy. I wish we had this. I wish we did that. I want you to know that in the family, in the family, in the church family, if we love each other, there is no room for envy. There's no room for envy here. If someone in our church or someone in, 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 our, in, in the family is doing well, we ought to be like, I'm glad. If someone's not doing well, we ought to be, how can I help you? There is no room for envy in the, in the family. But we sound a lot like everybody else when we say, I wish I had, I wish I had, I wish I had. In this place, there's no room for envy. Envy does not love. If you keep going, it's, I'm sorry, I'm keeping us late today. It's 1238 already. I'm sorry, I've kept us over. We haven't changed the clock yet. I looked up there and I went, oh my goodness, what Love is not boastful. I want you to look at your life, your dress, your language, what you post. How often are you telling people how great you are? I have, I, 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 I watched this, I've got a clip that I want to show you off the YouTube. And I watched this and I've thought, how often am I like this? How often do I want to get the last word? Or how often do I want to tell my story? Or want to tell the thing about me? And, and, and because, uh, here's the tr- truth, we're, we're our biggest fans. I want you, you got it ready there, Tim? Okay, wait, wait just a minute. True love is more interested in someone else than they are themselves. And as I have gone, I've gone back, and I keep going back, I tell you what, I had, I had an encounter with God back in Job. When I can get my eyes off myself and look up is when God starts doing things in my life. I have to get my eyes off me. And in this particular clip, and, I, and, I, and this guy's name is Brian Reagan, and, and I'm making, I, I have no idea, this particular clip is completely clean. I've watched some other stuff of him, I, and they've been clean. But for me to say this guy is always clean and never says anything off color, I have no idea, okay? That'd be like me saying, uh, I'm going to play you a, a, a clip off of NBC, and me saying everything that NBC does is completely clean, because we can't do that. I think... I th- but if you look him up and he says something off color, I can't help that. But this is talking about the me monster. 
where we, was, we become absorbed in me. And, and love is not about me and the me monster. And I want you, I want you to listen, listen to him. He, he, it's, it's, it's funny. Of course it's funny. But he has one part, and I'm telling you when I watched it, it was like God spoke into my life, and, and I don't know if this guy's a Christian or not, but he said, beware, and I think he was just trying to be funny. I don't think he knows how much truth there is to it. Beware the me monster, okay? Go ahead and start that. We're going we're gonna to watch it. I never do this, so I don't know if it's going to work or not. But anyway. I'm actually kind of quiet off stage. A lot of people don't realize that. I was at a dinner party recently, a bunch of people that I don't know. One guy talking plenty for everybody. Me, myself, right? And then I, and then myself, right? Me, me. I couldn't tell this one about I because I was talking about myself, and then me, 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 me. Beware the me monster. So I tried to jump in with a little story. I don't want to just sit there the whole night. Right when I'm done with my story, this guy goes, that ain't nothing. Oh, well, didn't mean to waste everybody's time. Telling my nothing story. Here, let Marco Polo speak. He's back with tales of adventure. My story ain't nothing. Maybe it wasn't, because I made the mistake of trying to tell a story about having only two wisdom teeth pulled, and I learned a lesson. Don't ever try to tell a two wisdom tooth story, because you ain't going nowhere. The four wisdom teeth people are going to parachute in and cut you off at the pass. Halt! Halt with your two wisdom tooth tail! You will never complete one, trust me. I'm trying to tell my story. You know, I had some wisdom teeth pulled. I had... Um, I had two, but I had four pulled. Oh, okay. No, five, no, nine. I had nine wisdom teeth pulled. All of mine were impacted. They were all coming upside down. The roots were wrapped around my tongue, coming out my nose. They were tusks. I was a warthog. No anesthesia. They pulled them out with pliers. I was eating corn in the cob that afternoon. Pin the blue ribbon upon his chest. That knocks the socks off of my wisdom tooth tail. Why do people need to top other people? I've never understood it, and I see it all the time. Obviously, people get something out of it. At best, people wait for your lips to stop. Yeah, as soon as... Okay, yeah, you, me! You, me! You see the difference? You see, you see that? Now I do. What is it about the human condition? People get something out of that. That's why I have a social fantasy. I wish I was one of the 12 astronauts who have been on our moon. They must love knowing they can beat anybody's story whenever they want. They can sit back quietly at a dinner party while some other person, some me monster, is doing his thing and let him go. Let him run with the line while you be quiet. Oh, really? 
Let him have his moment. Yeah, I'm a big traveler. I have my business. All. I got my own global enterprise. I got to check on. You know, I'm driving in the Autobahn because I keep a fleet of sports cars over in Zurich. You know, I got this Swiss account that I got to check on. Mount Kilimanjaro expedition. Might have to cancel that. You know, runways in Aspen are a lot shorter the first time you go in there. You know, you know, you know the Pacific Rim Company. I'm going to try to take that over. And global enterprise. I walked on the moon. Oh, well, you have the floor, moonwalker. <laughs> you know, you mentioned driving on the Autobahn. That reminded me. Once I was driving in the Sea of Tranquility. In my lunar rover. And I, too, was worried about our speed till I remembered, why? we're the only ones on the moon. Beware the me monster. I, I, have, thought, I have thought about Jesus sitting in all the situations he was in and hearing everybody go on about how great they were. And Jesus being like, I made that. I made that. that. I spoke that into being, you know. So, but beware. Love, is, and isn't that the way we are? When he talked about that, he said, I don't know what it is about the human condition, but we just want to, whatever somebody has, I've got something better. Or i got something different. Or this is going to, and, and if you watch people, I mean, we have all watched people, and they just wait for you to stop so they can start talking. And the word says that that's not what love is. Love is not me trying to one-up everybody else. And I'm going to tell you what, the the Lord has been speaking to me about this because I like to tell stories. And I'm like, God, what is is it that you're trying to teach me? And and I want us to, this morning, as we kind of wrap this up, beware the me monster. I love that line. Beware the me monster where I'm so looking at at my stuff and my things and the things that are going on in my life that I cannot look up and see what others, because Jesus was always about look up and see others. Pastor, why are you spending so much time on this? Jesus says, this was Jesus speaking, he says, love is how people are going to know you're the disciples of Christ. Listen to me this morning. Love, our love for each other, is how, God will, that's how people will know you're a disciple of Christ. It's not our building. It's not our worship team. It's not your pastor, it's not his preaching, it's not our programs, it's not our signs, it's not our banners. It's not us telling people we are disciples. It's not the t-shirts I wear, it's not the things I post anywhere. Jesus says, Jesus says, there is one way, there is one way people know that you're a disciple of Christ. By the way, we love each other. One way, if that's the one way people know then I need to figure out how do I do that? If that's the one way, if that's the only way that people know that we're disciples of Christ, I need to figure out how I love you. How do I endure through with you? How am I going to be patient with you? I want to ask you this morning. I want to be honest with you this morning. I think we've drifted from that. I think the reason that God's speaking that into my life is because I think we need that. 
I think he's trying to speak that into our life. I think he's trying to speak that into the life of our church. And I want us to ask ourselves, how are we doing at loving each other? In a way that people would look at us and say, those are followers of God. Or would they say, you know what? The way they treat each other, the way they talk about each other, is the same way we do down at the office. There's no difference between them and everybody else. And if this is the one way that people know that we are followers of Christ, we, listen to me this morning, church, we have to figure this out. We've got to figure this out. What does that look like in my life? We have to get this right. And he says that love is patient, love is kind. It endures. It is not boastful. It means that I look up for myself and I'm more interested in you than I am in myself. And I want to tell you this morning, the only way that happens is if I let Christ do that in me. I cannot say, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder with this person. I'm going to try harder with that person. I'm going to try harder when I'm out driving on the road. Or I'm going to try harder when I'm at work and I hear people doing this or that. And I'm just going to try harder with that person that's hard to get along with at work or that family member that's hard to get along with or that person that I disagree with. I'm just just going to try harder. I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to tell you what, try harder won't do it. Trying harder won't do it. I am preaching this to make us aware of it. And I am preaching this to show what it looks like. But I want to tell you what this morning. It only works when you say, okay, God, you're going to have to do this in me because I know I can't do this. I cannot do this. Long time ago, when I, and me, when Cindy and I were first married, I mean, I came to a place, and I'm sure she came to it before I did, but I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. She drives me nuts. And I'm sure I drove her nuts. And I was like, God, I don't don't know what to do. I cannot do this. And I prayed, God, you're going to have to help me to love this woman. And I know she had to pray the same thing because we were just... We had... I mean, and then we had... We were... We, we got married and immediately we had kids and that was just added to everything. And then we kept having kids and that was just, you know what I mean? Kids are not the answer, I'm just telling you. <laughs> and about three years or four years into it, I was just like, God, you got, you got, you got to help me. I cannot, I cannot do this. And God came and helped me and I saw my wife like he saw her and I know God helped my wife and it's just like I, it's just like I fell in love with her all over again and I started loving her more every year and you hear old people say I love my wife more now than I ever did I'm going to tell you it's true because God's doing something in her life and God did that in my marriage and God can do that in your marriage but he can also do it in your life in your life he wants to do that I'm going to ask you to come back tonight 
We're going to talk about the second half of this. Second half of this. And the second half is a lot like the first half. I just want us to pray. I just want to say, God, what do you want? What does this look like in my life? And God, you're going to have to do this because I can't do this. And I don't think I'm going to have Lance come. I just want you to stand where you're at. And I just, I, I, if God's speaking to you in this, this is my advice to you. Let him speak. If God is showing you new things, just keep saying yes. And I want to challenge you this morning, church. This is a non-negotiable thing. We can't just say, well, I'll, I'll skip that and I'll do something else. Because this is the only way. This is the only way. We have to get this one right. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not. It will not be easy. How do I know that? Because love endures. That's what, that's what Paul says. Paul doesn't say love is going to make it easy. Paul says love endures when it's hard. And he's called us to love each other and to endure together. When I married my wife, I stood in front of a little church down in Ava, Missouri, and I said, I'm going to... I'm going to I'm going to stick with this woman forever. And I did some enduring. When you're part of a church, and I don't care which church it is, I don't care where you go or what it is, eventually you'll get to a place where you have to endure. And the world will watch you and say, they are a follower of Christ because they endure with each other. And I'm asking us to do that because that's the only way they'll see who Jesus is. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. And Father, I know this is your message to me. I know this is your message to me. But Father, it's also your message to your church this morning. And you say this is the one way they will know you are disciples of Christ. This is the only way by the way we love each other. And Father, we can't get this one wrong. And we can't do it by ourselves. So Father, today I pray that you would empower us through the power of the Holy Spirit to love, to endure, to be patient, to be long-suffering with each other, to be kind to one another. Help us do that so that people will know who you are. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray the prayer.